the infrastructure needs to be very slick and smooth, reliable, dependable, so that they're not worrying about it. And obviously we've got an accounts team, a paralegal team. So amongst us and all the tech that we take advantage of, I mean, for goodness sake, we're patent attorneys. We love tech. We should be embracing it. I've always felt that patent attorney firms, you know, do a great job of protecting stuff for their clients, but we just, we don't implement all the technology that's out there ourselves. That's my guest on today's show, Anna Maloney. Anna is a UK and European patent attorney and founder of 2IP, a patent and trademark attorney firm that has adopted an award-winning consultancy business model. Anna is joined by her colleague, Rachel Havard, a chartered trademark attorney and consultant at 2IP. We discuss the premise and benefits of the 2IP business model and what drove Rachel to join the business. I'm your host, Justin Simpson. I'm an Australian patent attorney and founder of BillTrader. Welcome to Talking IP, a podcast for IP professionals featuring conversations that take you inside the professional lives and careers of global IP leaders and entrepreneurs. I hope you enjoy the show. Anna Maloney and Rachel Havard, welcome to Talking IP. Thanks. It's great to be here. Yeah. Thanks, uh, Justin, for having us. Uh, it's uh, it's great to see you both. Uh, I, uh, I'm very excited to learn about what you've been doing at 2IP and uh, the innovative way you've approached the patent and trademark attorney business. We're going to start with you, Anna, for tonight. Apparently, 2IP is not the first business that you have uh, launched. Tell us about the other ones uh, in your in your earlier career. Yes, yeah, so um, I was also part of Chapman Maloney, which we founded in 2003 and grew that from from the kind of from nothing up until you know, turning over a couple of million pounds, and then I stepped away. I guess it all it all kind of got a bit a bit much. Uh, we we grew really really fast, quite stressful, long hours. Still doing all the client work on top of being the marketing director and on the board and running the the office here in in uh, Lymington Spa. And eventually just burned myself out, made myself ill, and decided that enough was enough. And I I stepped away from that business after nine years which is hard but I think it was the right decision and I then I set up again on my own as Ingenium IP and I decided that this time I would just keep it small it would just be me there would be no staff there would be no business partners (laughs) and I would have a life as well as just doing my work so uh, yeah so I started doing that and then I saw this new model that some solicitors firms were were running and uh, you know virtual firms in the US and it kind of led me down the, the path of, of 2IP, which I guess we'll talk about a bit more later. Yeah. So you you had the had the experience, a bit of a burnout, decided you didn't want staff, you didn't want... I, I always think it'd be easier to be a patent attorney or a trademark attorney if there were no clients and there were no staff to deal with. So you, you had that same yeah, feeling. Yeah, absolutely. So, so I'm always interested in the names of, of companies. And obviously we're called Build Trader. I had an overview before that, but uh, uh, a few weeks ago, uh, we had uh, one legal on the show, Regina Quick. She's uh, from Singapore. So very similar to IP. Where did the concept come from for 2IP? Where, where did the name come from? It's an interesting one, actually, because when I was thinking what to, to call the firm, kind of tossed around the usual traditional combination concatenation of the surnames of the founders but it just didn't really it just didn't really feel right for us because it's not really about us as the founders founders it's about the attorneys and their clients so everything that that we do you know how we're structured how we work how we support the attorneys is to enable them to support their their clients you know there's that attorney client relationship so the two is the attorney and the client those those are the uh... well it's, it's kind of more it's the attorney and the client but it, it kind of re- reflects how important the relationship is to us to 
enable the the attorney to build that relationship so that they can do their best work free of all the usual distractions and politics and management stuff that goes with a traditional firm so they can you know do their best work develop a, a meaningful relationship and then for the client the two means it, it's them and the attorney the person that they instruct to do the work is the person who does the work so again it's about the strength of that relationship and there's two people in every relationship and that's why we're two ip Two IP. I like that. Two people in every relationship. Now, we're going to come back to the, the model in a little while. I want to hear from you, uh, Rachel. So prior to joining 2IP, and I believe you've only been there three or four months, you were a partner at a 100-year-old traditional patent and trademark firm. Indeed. Tell me about your working life there. Yeah. So, so I was at my old firm for 23 years, um, 16 years of that a partner. So it was like a massive part of my life. I, I grew up there. I qualified there and work with some lovely people, have some amazing experiences, but also with partnership comes responsibility and sort of quite a lot of juggling. I mean, as Anna was mentioning, quite a lot of claims on my time. So involvement in running the business, but also sort of meeting booked and build targets as well, worrying about other people's and then also business development targets for the bigger picture. So not just sort of worrying about whether I got enough client work but also other people although we were we were very busy so there was also a lot of admin to go along with that I live up in Warwickshire in the UK which is sort of like in the Midlands and I was going to London sort of once or twice a week so that was a five-hour commute so quite tiring as a result sort of a lot of spillover into my own time and I sort of wasn't a very nice person to my family although I, I loved <laughs> where I was as a firm so the work-life balance was actually a bit out of kilter there you go. 23 years in one place is a long, long, a large chunk of your life. And obviously there were some, some good aspects to it and, and people and oh, relationships. Sure. What was the decision to leave at the end? What was, uh, what was, what um, motivated you? A lot of it was to do with work-life balance, really. Um, I have a 16-year-old daughter and she's sort of in the process of doing external exams. And I think she found me quite unapproachable because I was sort of so focused on the job. Now, since my move, she's sort of really, really grateful that I'm much more present than I ever was. And hopefully sort of going back to the real me, um, that's what I was worried about was my sort of personality was changing to somebody I wasn't, even though I was loving what I was doing. And, and I really was happy with the people I was with. I, I, I've been change. told by, by my wife that when I get too busy, I become a crankier version of me. So maybe that's... Uh, that's uh... Exactly. Yeah, I was that cranky version of me towards the end of, of the, the first firm. Now, Rachel, you were talking about work-life balance, and I'm going yeah. to throw back to you. You you said you'd sort of seen something with some other solicitors' firms that had a different approach to work-life balance that inspired you. What was that about their approach that, that interested you? I'd seen that there were um, what they were calling virtual firms in the US, and then this kind of new um, consultancy model that the solicitors firms are, are operating in the UK. And it, it struck me as as a place for that I could turn into something for attorneys like me and like Rachel, who are, you know, love the actual job of doing the work for the clients, but completely overworked, stressed out, all of the stuff that comes with being a partner or a senior associate just, you know, taking over. And I, I saw it as as something I could develop into a place for, for people like us to, to move to, kind of an, an escape route, a place that I needed to exist for me to, to leave to when I needed to leave when it wasn't there. So I'm building it, it for, for other it people. So, it didn't so exist. So when you refer to the cons consultancy model, what do you mean by the consultancy model? What, what is this model that you're talking about? Traditionally, uh, consultant attorneys would be associated with 
a firm where the principal kind of brings in all the work and then farms it out to people. And, and it's all about the principal and, and they own the relationship with the clients. The new consultancy model is the attorneys are responsible for the relationship with the clients and bringing the work in. And the firm really is an ecosystem for them to do that within. So they kind of develop their own mini 2IP practice with, within the, the brand and, and under all of our systems. And so it's it's a lot more about them and they have the, the control and decide who they want to work with, what they're going to work on and so on. And so businesses uh, involve money, uh, unfortunately. Is there a financial model in which there's a sort of a proportion of the revenue stays with the consultant, a proportion goes to the admin of the firm? Is is that a, a split yeah. of some kind? Yeah, so that's how it works. So again, comparing to that traditional consultancy, the, the firm would just pay the consultant a day rate or an hourly rate. For ours, it's a fee split. So there's the majority of the time-based fees that get billed out to the client, the attorney keeps. They're, they're the ones doing the work. You know, then, and one of the things I had to develop from the solicitor's firm to the patent attorney and trademark attorney firm was the need to cope with kind of standard charges and paralegal work and, and that kind of thing. So we have a different fee split for that. But yeah, it's, it's a fee share arrangement. So it's much, much fairer than both employment and traditional consultancy. So you often have in a regular partnership structure, someone who's maybe been there for many years and is earning a whole lot of money because they've been there for many years. They're not necessarily bringing in revenue from new business. They're not necessarily doing revenue. Is that something you were trying to stay away from? Yeah, it, it feels inherently unfair. The people at the coalface really putting in the blood, sweat and tears, you know, they get they get fairly paid, but the equity partners at the top get paid an awful lot more for not doing <laughs> anywhere near as much more work. And so this is this is a way for the attorneys to, what they get paid is much more a reflection of what they're putting in. And it's fairer in that respect, but it, it also means because of the way that it's split, they can earn the same money as they were before doing fewer hours, or they can keep working the same and earn a great deal more. But because we're more about work-life balance, and for us, that means more life and less work, generally people will be working slightly fewer hours than they were before. I like that attitude. So Rachel, when you, uh, how did you come across 2IP? How did you learn about uh, Anna's approach uh, with this consultancy model? And what appealed to you about that model? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I saw quite a bit of promotion of 2IP going on, and I was looking for something a bit different because I knew that my work-life balance was out of kilter, as I said, and I wasn't quite sure what that solution might be. I'd been a partner. I didn't really want to go and be employed somewhere else or, or just go somewhere that was actually just the same, but with different people. I was already in a place where I really liked the people. And so really, it had to be something absolutely, totally different for me. And that's what 2IP offered. The fact that I could go back to what I really used to enjoy, which was like the client work and client care uh, without distractions, but also that lovely thing of being able to have some work-life balance and be able to have an afternoon off if I've worked from sort of 6am in the morning till noon, not thinking, well, I've got to still plug on until 6pm, 8pm. So it, that was really what drew me to it because it was so different. I would do stuff at weekends, um, late nights, but also because of commuting, I was having time to sort of make up. It's not easy to work on the train. Quite often you don't get a seat, that sort of thing. 
And uh, uh, so how are you enjoying it so, so far? I mean, you it's only three or four months in. Uh, you Obviously, you've got a smile on your face. You've come on the show, which obviously <laughs> there's a positive aspect to it. But has it made the difference that you were hoping that it would in your work life? Yeah, it, it definitely has. I mean, my family have sort of noticed straight away. I mean, they were always saying that I'd be in the room, but not in the room. I, I am actually present, which is good. And I think because I, I feel happier, I feel like I can give a better service to my clients. I've got more time to do that. I've got more time to sort of think around what they need and I don't have rigid time targets obviously I have to have targets to make the business viable and my business model viable but the other thing that really drew me to it was the fact that I could have as we were saying earlier about being your own boss I can have my own business but without the risk of absolutely going out there on my own I've got support around me I've got people I can talk to I've got insurance sorted out and we've got paralegals we've got record system all that sort of thing that if you were starting out on your own you'd have to do completely by yourself and get it right. right. Uh, as, as I think Anna, Anna's done a couple of times now, there's that whole burden of administration and back office thing that's really not core to the training of a, a trademarks attorney. So from a financial point of view, and you don't need to tell me numbers, but are you able to earn a similar amount that you were before, but with less hours? Or is there, are you have you cut down on that as well? Potentially, I, I think I would earn a similar amount. And actually, I, I probably don't need as much to be happy. I'm at that stage of my life now. I've done the partnership thing. Um, I've been at it a long time and I know what I really want out of life. And obviously, a new business, you, you're having to sort of build the business up and that part is fun. But yeah, I, I think it, it will be not far off actually I was before. Very good. And, and time is precious. You, you can't Absolutely. buy time, you can't get time. And with your daughter at 16, it's a time to still connect with her. Yeah. And she's a nice 16 year old. So yeah, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> There's no reason to be working in the office for lots of hours to get away. As as many families are. Now, Anna, Anna, back to you. I believe you've uh, won the Patents Lawyer of the Year Award from Lawyer Monthly Magazine. That's very exciting. Congratulations. So this was for this uh, whole consultancy model that you've ad adapted from the solicitors to patent and trademark attorney firms? It was, yes. Um, thanks very much. Uh, it's, always, it's always nice to get some recognition that what you're doing is noteworthy. Uh, yeah, it was all about that kind of innovation and in, in developing what I'd seen the solicitors firms doing and making it work for patent and trademark firms and then launching it in the UK for, for patent and trademark attorneys because we're the, we're the first firm like this that we're aware of, definitely the first firm that's kind of offering all the mentoring and business development support al alongside just providing an ecosystem for, for people to potentially sit inside. Tell me about that mentoring and the business development uh, support. What do, what do you mean by that? Yeah, so the founders, you know, myself and Donica, we're experienced patent attorneys. We've built three firms between us. We know what's involved in, you know, in growing and you know, developing client relationships. And one of the things that I noticed, I think that was a difference between the solicitors and patent and trademark attorneys is that we're much less confident in the relationships that we have and in doing business development. And so I felt it was really important that part of what we offer to the attorneys coming on board is that that kind of business knowledge that we have to encourage them along the way to help them grow their 2IP practice. We don't just go, there's your 365 login and your Equinox login, off you go. Where it's like, no, okay, let, let's talk about it. How, how are you going to approach people? What's the best way to, to grow your, your business? And then, then I'm here going, 
I've done it twice. Anything that you're facing, I've probably been there and done it. And I can tell you that it's solvable. The world is not going to end. You know, many business owners that I know have an external mentor. You know, it's kind of recognized as quite good business practice to have, not that's again somebody older and wiser, but somebody who's done something similar before there that you can just ask about anything that you're you're worried about. And so I provide that support to the attorneys. I think having a mentor is a, is a great thing. I've, I've never personally had a mentor, but I think I could have done with one. But I, I feel I've, I'm at an age and experience now that I could be a mentor, would like to do that uh, to other people. I think it's very, very valuable. So with the business development side of things, uh, I mean, if a, a younger attorney comes in, obviously, uh, Rachel's had many years of experience. You've had many years of experience. You've developed those networks both internationally and locally. And so you can have that client base. But a younger person in their, their mid-20s, how are they going to come across and do this model do they need to go and go on the international conferences? Do they need to spruik around the the local uh, scene? What's your advice for them? My advice for them is to go out and build those relationships. This is a model for senior, experienced attorneys, generally in private practice. We've got strong relationships. You know, it might be client relationships. It might be you know external referrers like solicitors, barristers, accountants, so on. You've got a strong network, so you need to be. A decent way into your uh, career as a patent or trademark attorney for this to really be viable for you. Mm. And I've had conversations with 20-somethings who are like, great, I really want to come and do this. And I've gone, just don't think you're ready. I think <laughs> you need to go and do this first or go and do that first and you know, develop your, your career and your relationships a bit more and then come back and it'll work for you. We're keen that only people that we think it's going to work for come on board there's there's quite a lengthy screening process before we get to the point where the attorney and 2IP go, yeah, this is going to work for you. You should come on board. It's not going to work for everybody. Mm, that, that makes a lot of sense. So is, is your plan to, uh, is it is it open invitation to a experienced attorneys who've got some client base to come and do you want to grow large or you didn't like people in your last job, you wanted to keep them away? <laughs> but, uh, you're, obviously growing, you're like Rachel, but uh, is your plan to grow big or you just want to gr uh, grow a little bit uh, uh, sort of uh, uh, organically, as they say? Yeah, we're, we're, we've got a controlled growth plan. Can I just say, I really like the people that I'm in business with now. And that, <laughs> And enough said there. Uh, yeah, so we've got a controlled growth plan and it's important that it's controlled so that each attorney coming in has our full focus to get them settled in and get them pushed on in, in the start of their, their business. But yeah, we've, we've got open-ended growth plan. As many people who want to come in can come in. As long as they pass the screening process and they're the right kind of people, which is, which is yep. uh, it makes a lot of sense. So do you think this model, you've adapted it for patent and trademarks attorneys in the UK. Is this a model that would work in, in other countries? Yeah, I think so. Absolutely. I mean, the profession works in the same way around the world. And there are some virtual firms in the US, so I'm not sure of the exact details of, of how they work, but absolutely it could work anywhere. I suppose we don't have international expansion planned at the moment, but who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Uh, I can trademark 2IP in Australia if you need me to. Just let me know. Um, <laughs> so, so, Rachel, back to, you, back to you briefly. You've only been there three or four months, but the the IP management system you guys use, I believe, is is Equinox. It's an online system. I don't know whether you yeah. used it before uh, coming to 2IP uh, and, and how you found getting used to it. 
Oh, well, I'm, I'm new to Equinox. I hadn't used it before until I joined in November, but I really like the fact that everything's in one place. Uh, so you, you have your deadlines and your task list in one place, templates for letters, the document management system is there, uh, your the client address book, and then also having the billing module in one place is really helpful. So far, so good. Yeah. Everything you need in the one place and online, mm-hmm. you can do it from your home. Which is it what 2IP is all about, work anywhere. Work Anywhere, which I think was the old name for uh, Air, for Equinox, yeah. which uh, is a great company. Now, Anna, Anna back to you. Uh, I know in recent times, uh, you guys have taken advantage of the integration between Bill Trader and Equinox. What was the idea? Why did you say yes to that? Uh, what were you trying to achieve with that uh, integration? It was really to make the the flow of, of invoices between us and overseas attorneys smoother, you know, easier for us and our accounts team and for the attorneys, you know, the bill trader facility to push invoices that overseas attorneys send us into Equinox at a set exchange rate means that, you know, it all smoothly goes into the system. They or the paralegals can check that it's gone in correctly and then it can just get, you know, billed on. It's a bit more of a complex process if you're having to get the accounts team involved and then they have to go into Equinox and enter it. And, you know, it's great. Equinox is brilliant. Don't get me wrong. I love Equinox and I've used a number of systems, but just that processing of invoices in and out, Bill Trader smooths out some of the bumps. Well, that, that's wonderful. And, and we're hoping to do more of that for, with you in, in the future, which is which is great, getting those accounts payable invoices into the system. And I guess it parallels with your philosophy of let the attorney do the attorney's work and leave the back office stuff to I know, the, the infrastructure. That's right. I mean, the, the infrastructure needs to be slick and smooth, reliable, dependable, so that they're not worrying about it. And obviously, we've got an accounts team, a paralegal team. So amongst us and all the tech that we take advantage of, I mean, for goodness sake, we're patent attorneys. We love tech. We should be embracing it. I've always felt that patent attorney firms, you know, do a great job of protecting stuff for their clients, but we just, we don't implement all the technology that's out there ourselves. So we're kind of fully tech embracing firm. That's why we love Equinox, Bill Trader, you know, the whole thing. We're singing from the same hymn sheet, uh, Anna. I've said that so many times that uh, patent attorneys are, are doing the inventing, but technology—they're lagging behind. They want to be the last on the on the ship because they're so conservative. But I'm glad you guys are different. Obviously, a, a bit more time with the family is what you're after. But you're uh, you're into a VW camper vanning as well. You don't have a a combi van, do you? We have two. I'm afraid oh. to say. One is a 1970s bay, which is always breaking down. So um, for reliability and actually being able to get on the road, sometimes we have a, a much more modern VW T5, which sort of goes around the coast, goes to music festivals with husband, daughter, dog and myself on board. Are you able to sleep in the back of that or partially? Yes. Or Yeah, although my daughter is now... Yes, it does. But my daughter now has to sleep in a tent because she's sort of like kind of pushing the six foot mark these days. So... Uh, the, the pop-up roof is a bit too small. That doesn't quite work. I have I have a, a deal with my uh, daughter who's now 14. When she gets to the end of high school, I said, if she gets over a certain mark, I'm going to buy her a VW combi van. But then I looked how expensive awesome. they are. They're very oh, yeah. expensive. Well, they've rocketed. I think since the pandemic, everyone's realized what a good idea they are. So we, we got ours just before, which was about right. But don't buy an old one because it will never, it will never drive. It will be under a sheet on your drive and that will be that. <laughs> well, I'm going to get your detailed advice uh, when she gets that mark. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll discuss that Absolutely. later stage. When? And Anna, I'm going to switch to you. Uh, I believe uh, lawn bowling is your thing. Tell me about your uh, your your work life balance on the lawn bowling front. Well, I, I started playing lawn bowls about 
eight or nine years ago. And somebody at the time said to me, um, just be careful, it might take over your life. And little did I realise quite how accurate that might be. So when I left Chapman Maloney and I set up Ingenium, I, was, I had some spare time. I thought maybe I should do something interesting. Bought my first copy of Bulls International and saw that Bulls England was advertising for an independent director. So I thought, mm, that looks interesting. And they're headquartered in the same place as me. So I applied for that, obviously got that appointment, joined the Bulls England board, um, which is the national governing body for Lawn Bulls in England. And, and I've been on the board since then, and I'm now the senior independent director. So I have fun doing the, you know, the strategy and advising the chair and going to all the board meetings and going to Commonwealth Games, watching England win gold medals, although not against Australia. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so that's great. Obviously, professionally, I support England and, you know, in my heart, I was supporting Scotland. But fortunately, I didn't have to watch any matches between the two of them. And then personally, <laughs> I, st I still play. Um, I actually play for the Warwickshire County side. Um, as well as for, for my club. So the outdoor season starts in a few weeks and we're all very excited to get back out on the greens. So you got a directorship. Uh, had you actually played any bowls before you uh, got the directorship? I've been, yeah, I was a baby bowler. I mean, I'd been bowling for about three or four years, which which was actually quite useful from the point of view of coming in as an independent director. I had a general understanding of the sport, but I wasn't embedded in all of the structures and the politics and the history of it. So it means I can still go, why are we doing it like that? That seems completely mad to me. Maybe we should be thinking about doing something else. So it's kind of that, you know, sort of a bit of understanding, but still the ability to to bring the external view and the small business perspective and the hang on a minute, let's just let's just think about whether we really want to keep doing it this way that we've always done it. I guess that's the, the purpose of an independent director, a new set of eyes to the problem. Yeah, absolutely. It's a really valuable role. I would encourage all businesses, if, you know, if they've got space on the board, to get an independent, non-exec director. Now, are you doing that just for Bowls Australia, or do you have a role in any other companies <laughs> that you're a mentor to, uh, that you've, uh, you're, you're helping with some advice? Yeah, sadly not Bulls Australia, although um, I do know quite a lot of the, the Jackeries quite well. I know Bulls England, it's just, it's just Bulls England that I'm doing doing that for. And we'll, we'll see how, how long I, I still have capacity to do it as 2IP continues to grow. Now, I don't know a lot about Bulls, uh, but here, here in Australia, it's quite a, a very popular sport, normally with the older generation, but they're trying to get the young people in by they have barefoot bowling, so you don't have to wear the special shoes yeah, yeah. and there's a bit of beer involved. So it's uh, taking off a little bit here in Australia. Oh, yeah. Uh, the barefoot bowls is a great idea. It doesn't really work here because mostly I feel like cold, cold, cold and wet. <laughs> uh, but I suspect our grass is a bit softer. It's not strictly true to say that it's an old person sport. For bowls Australia and UK, probably about 60% of bowlers are of retirement age. But there's still a lot of us who aren't. And, and if you saw the international teams, you know, like the Jackaroos and the England team, they're all younger players of their 20s, their 30s. And Probably the oldest of them are in their 40s. and Which is very you know, young. I'm nearly 50. That's very young. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's a sport for all ages. And one of the beautiful things about it is that anybody can play and we can all play together. So, you know, you can have a teenager playing against somebody in their 70s. And it's, you know, it's just a normal match. And that happens. You can have whole families playing together. Three generations can enter a competition as a triples team. You know, it's a, it's a very social, social thing. It is, but you know, also able-bodied and para bowlers can play together. We don't change the game; it's the same game. 
that's wonderful. So uh, di- different people, different generations, different abilities can all can all uh, um, come together around it. it. Sounds sounds like a great idea. Yeah. We we recently got a a a pool table in our our backyard, which is also an air hockey on the other side, and so the kids and the parents are all, all playing together. It's a great uh, great opportunity to 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 get together mm-hmm. and have some fun away from screens. Yeah, well, you should get down to your local bowls club. I'll probably find out where they are for you. <laughs> <laughs> I know where mine is. We, we've got like three three around the traps. Now, now, Rachel, I'm, I'm going to throw back to you. Thinking back to when you just started in your profession, I like to ask everyone uh, who's who's had some experience in the industry, those are the people we're, uh, we're interviewing, is to have a look at, uh, say, a young woman starting in the profession today. What, what advice would you have for a young woman starting in, in the IP profession today? First of all, I tell them that they're in exactly the right place because it is a really fascinating area. I studied law at university and um, everybody was sort of going after those trainee solicitorships. Whereas in, in this profession, you get the opportunity to work for such amazing clients. I mean, absolute dream client lists. So just carry on on the track you're on because it's the right one. And, and I'm going to ask you another question. So in your, you've had a, a lot of experience over the years. Tell me about an experience where you really helped a client to achieve their goal uh, in your professional career. I mean, for me, I, I really like working with, with SMEs and startups because you, you really get to know business founders and what they're about. So I, I had a a small client who's just like really sort of started business from his kitchen table and it's sort of grown into a multinational amazing brand and that's really satisfying and to sort of have have that rapport with somebody that started it from the very beginning and to sort of see their success. It's, it's very, very satisfying to see. I, I, I didn't know him personally, but there was an Australian guy I went to one of those entrepreneurs breakfast with and we actually had quite a good rapport. He's now a billionaire and I'm not, but I feel very good for him. <laughs> Now, Anna, I'm going to ask you the couple of the same questions. Thinking back to your uh, early career, imagine the 20-year-old Anna Maloney. What advice would you give to her uh, starting out in the IP profession? Uh, well, I was a bit older, actually. I was 25 because I did my PhD first. I would say, you know, it's a, it's a fascinating profession. You know, you get to work with, you'll get to work with some really interesting people in technology. Be careful what you dream of. Partnership may not be everything that you think it is. And don't let it take over your life. Find some work-life balance, perhaps in the consultancy model. Try try and keep some work-life balance. It's really difficult, though. You know, it, we sort of have grown as a profession into it being accepted as the norm that people do really long hours and you know really high billing target. And your work is you. It's, it defines you, but it doesn't. You have to remember yeah. that there's there's life outside of work. I meant to say this earlier, but one thing I particularly like about 2IP is you can actually be sort of whoever you want to be. I mean, Anna mentioned, yes, you, you, you could be sort of turning over a massive amount and taking a lot home. But also there's sort of no shame in it if you want to be the person that sort of works two or three days a week or only works mornings. There's, there's so much flexibility there. And a traditional firm, because it's a traditional firm, has sort of traditional boundaries. So that, that's why this model is attractive. I was going to say, be very clear about what your values are and make sure that where you're working is coherent with your values. It's, it's great that you are open to hearing those comments from your, well, they're not staff, they're your your colleagues or your consultants. And and uh, I know when I was uh, early in my career, I was headhunted by a big law firm and they said, well, look, uh, it's free dinner at 8 p.m. at night. Anytime you're here, you can come and have a free dinner. To my credit, I never had 
a free dinner at o'clock because I was always leaving at 5.30 because I'd come from a patent attorney firm that had more reasonable hours and I managed to stick to my guns. Yeah. So uh, uh, I think that work-life balance is really very important. And I, I commend you on, on what you've done with uh, 2IP. I hope anyone who's out there who's got the right amount of experience can get in touch with you <laughs> and, and see if they can join the team. Uh, and I wish you very well in the future. Thanks for joining us on Talking IP. Thanks very much, Justin. It's been great talking to you. Yeah, thanks, Justin. It's been great. Well, that's it for our latest episode of Talking IP. And thanks to my guests, Anna Maloney and Rachel Havard. Thank you for joining us. And please reach out to connect with me on LinkedIn, where we'll share updates on the release of each episode. Talking IP is brought to you by Bill Trader, a fintech solution for IP firms designed to solve the cost and efficiency challenges of making and receiving payments to and from your foreign agents. To learn more, visit BillTrader.com.